Welcome to Cartwheels on the Sky, Poets, Poems, and Discovery. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and for the next 30 minutes, you'll get a glimpse into the poems and process of Roberta Warndinger, Ukiah's currently reigning Poet Laureate. Before I share our conversation, I want to tell you a little bit about Roberta. Roberta Warndinger is a Zen priestess, poet, writer, and editor. From 1995 to 2006, she studied Zen Buddhism at Green Gulch Farm and Tajahara Mountain Center. In 2006, she was head student and left the monastery to pursue the path of writing. She has a long-term professional association with Berkeley-based writer, artist, and activist Kaz Tanahashi, for whom she edits and conducts research. She has also taught English at Mendocino College and at Dharma Realm Buddhist University. Since 2010, she has served as a freelance writer and publicist for several nonprofits, including the Grace Hudson Museum and Ukiah Symphony. Her writing activities have included essays for the Redwood Coast Review and poetry for the online journal Leaping Clear. She hosted the show Maps and Legends on KZWAX FM from 2009 to 2016, highlighting the presence of wisdom teachings in modern music. She is also a member of the Northern California Book Reviewers, Reading for Poetry and Creative Nonfiction. She is currently at work on a memoir titled The One Road. It details the migration of her family across the Atlantic and her own migration west, as well as all the migrations, internal and external, that the human race is currently undertaking. Hi, Roberta. Welcome to Cartwheels on the Sky. Thank you, Blake. I love that um, title, Cartwheels in the Sky. It's so you. Right? It's the idea of being grounded and reaching at the same time. So why don't you start us off with a poem? Okay. I wrote this um, last year um, at a poetry retreat. It's called A History of Mind. And it's somewhat of a, I don't know what, um, spiritual autobiography, I think. A History of Mind. I was dropped into sight and sound crowned with sensation. Placed in my crib, tracking shadows on the wall, I wondered if their movements were in the mind or in real time. Had the eye placed them there? Could I dig to China? And why was it so far away? How far could I throw the breath? When older, I'd ride the Lincoln Avenue bus one hour or more from Chicago's northern edge all the way to downtown. The L was faster, but it was the city's noir quality I sought, the winding classic narrative provided by bodies in action. Out the window, I'd watch tableau of people on the street, cuffs and heels, briefcases and perfumes. A shabby man on a bench, gazing at nothing, I wanted to chart the angle of that glance to the point it intersected with a chic lady's quick look, the small flash of contact and refusal, the infinite paths of relation the city brought forth, 
each of us molecules pinging off the other in a giant field of interlocking encounters, glistening points of potential, crystalline echoes, dust motes bearing jewels of light tumbling from high windows. At home, we were angry bees thrumming in hives, rubbing antennas, transmitting and receiving cross signals. I wanted a world where we could lay our sadness under a warm sun and smooth the tangled wires. Hopelessly tangled, I had to sort it out elsewhere. I had to leave. I found a den in which to crouch, where I could see shadows circulate, lift and unstick from the mind. They would quickly re-stick, but I kept returning to view the show, uncovering the ancient set pieces, weeping at battlegrounds, moving veils aside to reveal more deception, endless veiling and unveiling, wanting to be present at the moment a moment was born. I sat in my den till my rowboat came home and I was knocked into a new orbit. I put on robes and put off my hair, showed a tender scalp to the world, freshened perception in a lake of shimmering silence. I got new culture and a schedule, smoothed the surfaces of incense bowls with chill-blamed fingers. It was time to write again. I left with a pen in my hand. Time seemed to pass, and yet I remained a frog in a well's abyss, unblinking, soaked with perception's waters, the mind's endless movement colliding, breaking up and reforming, inhaling, exhaling, a whole body glistening with helpless existence, non-existence, existence, emitting low croaks of wonder, inseparable from pain. Yes. <laughs> oh, so, being in the body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was interesting for me to write that because, you know, I didn't tell a lot of external events, but in a way it was a record of what was happening inside of me. Um, and some some of it is relating to my discovering or being attracted to uh, Zen Buddhism, uh, starting in the mid '90s and eventually going to live in a monastery, um, and um, for uh, over a decade, and becoming ordained there, and then leaving and kind of knocking around a bit, and ending up back in Mendocino County. And in your own way, back in practice, but a layman's practice or a householder's practice, but still very much Buddhism, correct? Oh, yes, yes. That's still my, you know, basic orientation. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I uh, also, this it is sometimes called householder or practicing in the marketplace uh-huh. kind of practice. Um, and it's um, in some ways easier on a surface level. In other ways, it's harder to maintain, you know, that, um, that same dedication. Right, because it's easy to get distracted by all the things that happen in life when you intentionally set yourself apart from the daily kind of life by being in a monastery. Those commune moments are much stronger, I would imagine. Right, right. Your life is set up there 
for you to focus on um, on meditation, on you know what they call your practice. And and here there are other polls. Um, one thing I appreciate about Mendocino County is that you know I mean there may be different reasons for this, but people don't always start with well, what do you do? You know. Right. And um, and it's not always about your um, your status um, in in that way, as it is in a lot of other places. That's a really good point. Do you find uh-huh. that your background, your intense study, your time in the monastery, does it express itself in your poetry more frequently? Well, you know, um, good question. I because I don't always write, you know, like traditional or classic. Zen poetry. Um, I have a, I don't know what to call it, pagan side too <laughs> that comes out. Um, you know, I think it expresses that maybe in a way it's more in the background, I think, or hope in terms of um, how I express things, you know, like not making an external enemy out of anybody. I recently wrote something it's a little uncharacteristic but it's kind of a rant about what happened when we ran out of toilet paper and that <laughs> people couldn't have to like who was on the last roll you know and you know but in writing it I had to realize I'm implicated you know I'm part of this whole um, messed up situation um, right. and yes there are people who are doing probably more harm than me but I'm um, it's not just some enemy outside of me who I'm, I'm trying to beat up I right do you want to read that yeah. poem yeah, yeah I can yeah. read um, I can read this one and it's a little <laughs> bit um, what's the word it's a little bit earthy, um, but there are no words you cannot use on the radio. I'm, I used to be a programmer, too, so yes. um, I'm aware of that. So <laughs> it, it's pretty much based on, um, the, as I said, my, um, my amazement that this is what people were interested in doing when the pandemic started. And I don't know. It just went on from there. So it's called The Endless Paper Roll. Assumption that there would be enough toilet paper for all people and places, one long roll unfurling from a hollow core, each sheet ripped off over and over the way calendar pages are flipped in black and white movies, endlessly grasped by a hand that knows nothing else, no other means with which the gentle self-cleansing act could be done while elsewhere and at all times people used corn cobs seashells wool their own hand assumption that this draping document continues to unfurl from an endless roll forever the hands reaching for the familiar touch the reassurance delivered to the sensitive anus called holy and hailed by Allen Ginsberg while hands continue to peel off the very earth the trees debarked the slurry of pulped wood water and chemicals pressure cooked washed bleached pressed in a Yankee dryer crates to make soft 
converted onto cardboard tubing, scissored into rolls and packaged, warehoused in giant rooms, but not too much. The products inexpensive and bulky, so that we ran out of toilet paper. Assumption that our anxious hands could keep, could keep grasping, exuding, using nearly 400 trees per American per lifetime for wiping so that the whole earth would be undone, plundered, unwinding from the endless roll, pulled so hard it now careens out of control, the paper plastered over cars on Halloween by bored teens, as if to say, here, here are the products of your grasping hands. Is this what we have left for our children? Toilet paper? Will the dying elder press into a successor's hand the key to a storehouse filled with only toilet paper? What will happen when we run out of toilet paper? Will we ask the earth to keep exuding and exuding and exuding? (laughs) So this was one I did research for, and um, it, it is a little bit, um, sobering or something to according to these statistics that um, I guess the average American will use up 400 trees worth of toilet paper <laughs> in their lifetime right yeah yeah I remember encountering yeah. that somewhere you know and some of us use more and some of us use less yeah <laughs> true and you know but it really makes you think made me think about it you know right. because it was something I didn't give a thought to and suddenly, well, I mean, it came back, um, uh, but just, not, but the fact that it was gone, you know, for my own convenience, and also I thought, well, where does this come from, and how is it they ran out? Right. And, um, you know, we didn't run out of food, or not really. I mean, a few things ran out. You know, in a way, the, maybe the influence of, of Zen there, too. Actually, I make a lot of courses comments and said some of which I can't repeat here either um, yeah. <laughs> and um, but you know there's kind of a emphasis on um, just um, paying attention to very humble things right. um, and there there is one um, Zen Roshi who said that um, the mark of a good Zen student is that they um, you know that when they tear off the toilet paper they do it very carefully Right. Very, very mindfully. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I think that makes Zen and some of the Buddhist practice so appealing to me is that request that whatever it is you're doing, you know, that chop wood, carry water idea, to do so mindfully. And I think that that kind of a meditation, it extends past sitting. I am a big believer in walking meditation and meditating while making art and just being as present in the moment as possible, which is meditation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, as a householder practitioner myself, I do think there's real value in that idea of, you know, noticing when you're tearing the paper. (laughs) There's always those moments where I try to bring myself back um, to that because in a way, um, they – the way I've been taught that those little acts are really more important than any 
beings that you encounter on your meditation scene, which, um, you know, um, there, there's a saying um, I love, you know, again, from I think Sen uh, or some other form of Buddhism saying, well, when I, you know, before I started practicing and meditating, mountains were just mountains. Mm-hmm. And then I studied more and I learned more and I realized that mountains are not mountains. And now that I've gone on further in my studies and meditation, mountains are mountains again. Some, sometimes the things can be cryptic, but... Um, no, that's, that's, there's, that's a good Cohen right there. That's wonderful. Yeah, isn't it? I want to take a moment and remind you that you're listening to Cartwheels on the Sky. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and I'm talking with Ukiah Poet Laureate, Roberta Werndinger. I want to switch gears a bit because you are currently the Poet Laureate of Ukiah. And I'm curious what your experience as Poet Laureate has been and also how it's changed you, your experience of being a poet. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, Yeah, it's, um, you know, lately it's been a little bit puzzling with the pandemic coinciding um, with some of this because Mm -hmm. we can't hold public gatherings. I did start an online uh, poetry class, which was neat. And um, there's another um, event I conceptualized that probably is going to happen beyond my laureateship, which is going to end soon, which would be doing some um, kind of collaborative event around climate change, um, Mm -hmm. which might just end up being a video if we're all in quarantine. Um, I would say that the way it's changed me actually has has been in a really positive way because um, I am a a pretty, um, you know, private hermetic person um, and, you know, spent a big part of my life in retreat in a monastery and just kind of have that personality, um, which is fine, you know, uh, there are plenty of poets who are introverted, but this is a public role. You know, so I would think, well, what um, what does this mean for for the um, community, and what right. can I do for it? Um, and just even thinking about that has um, has has changed me. And I think the um, probably the uh, favorite event that I got to do um, under the uh, guise of poet laureate is. I was asked to write um, a poem for, you know, Grace Hudson Museum has a gala every year, like a gala fundraiser. Um, and Grace Hudson is a real linchpin of, um, of this town. It holds um, a big part of its history, a big part of uh, Native history, and it has these wonderful exhibits. And also it was um, a great assignment. I was asked to write on the theme of For the Love of Art, because um, I also wear another hat. You know how people wear various hats mm-hmm. in this county? And one of my other hats is that I do um, publicity work for Grace Hudson. And um, so just about every event they've had or, or every exhibit since more or less 2010, um, I've learned about, I've publicized, I've helped, uh, I've interviewed a lot of the uh, curators and artists involved. Um, so I, you know, I've seen how um, how they hold the culture of of Ukiah and of the whole county, really, um, and the history. So um, 
so the poem I wrote, and then I read it to um, the people at the gala, which is great for a poet because it's a bigger audience than, yeah, right? than from the poetry readings. And um, I do have that here. It's, um, yeah, we're I, about running out of time, so I'd love to, to end our show with a poem. But before we do that, if somebody wants to find out more about you, how can they do that? Ah, good question. Um, well, right now, my I don't have a website dedicated to my poetry, but if you go to um, my website, is called Flying Fish Word Works, and that's one word: Flying Fish Word W O R D Works. dot com. Um, then you can get in touch with me there. And I'm also for listeners. Um, am archiving these shows on my website, and that's Be More You. Dot net in the musing section, and there's also a listen section, so you can find um, the past shows from Cartwheels there also. So just want you to know that, and so I'll make sure that link is included, so if you want to find out more about Roberta, you can just go straight there, and you can find that in case you don't have a pin with you. Okay, go ahead, Miss Roberta. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I think I'm going to cut one stanza because, you know, if we're running out of time. Oh, that's Okay. Um, I mean, just yeah. give it, give it, give it to us. Oh, okay. And you can cut. All right. Well, I'll just try to cut myself out talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to. You're too much fun, Blake, to do that. Okay. Um, f- for the love of art. For the love of art, the people weave baskets. They gather sedge, bulrush, and willow roots drying and dyeing them, plating and coiling the reeds. They add feathers, shells, and a spirit door till the containers, large and small, hold children, trap fish, store acorns. Out of the patterns of nature, they discerned a greater pattern, and they wove it into their baskets. Weathering the storms of invading foreigners, their daily lives were colored with the love of art. For the love of art, a girl goes out with a brush and canvas, sits in a forest clearing till the greens and browns walk into her painting. The woods visit her, the calm groves, the hares, the deer, and she paints the Pomo peoples, the ones who lived here before and the ones who live here still, a woman harvesting tarweed, a child in her cradle, and other plain air artists all over California step into the woods too to begin their work for the love of art. For the love of art, artists challenge the received reality. They paint ghost portraits, one image of a human head hovering over the other. They conjure landscapes that pulse and churn before the viewer's eye. Some tattoo their own skin, their whole body a canvas. Some assemble odd objects, metal, glass, a discarded doll, out of the ignored objects of our world. They produce parties of form and feeling. They risk ridicule and push edges for the love of art. For the love of art, a couple walk into a field. They take photos of wildflowers, admiring their beauty, even as they know and must show how the flowers are fading, how climate change is endangering our world. 
Others take pictures of the modern native, the hoopah feathered cape, the motorcyclist soaring down a highway. Their lenses are a window for truth, a letter for justice. Where others glance, they regard and record deeply for the love of art. We cannot describe everything we have put into this basket of earth that is holding us. We have watched dreams grow legs and scatter. We have shut the studio door and opened our imagination. We have adorned our portraits with garlands of love and pain. We have painted our ghosts pulled scullet colors from the sky, been thrown by the horse of ambition. And after all of this, bruised, aged, dusted with sorrow, we pick up the brush, cut the reed, form the pot. Without knowing why, we go forward over and over for the love of art. Yes, indeed we do. Thank you so much, Roberta. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much, Blake. It was a pleasure to be here and send me some cool air from the coast. And that concludes my interview with Roberta Warndinger, Poet Laureate of Ukiah. I'm Blake Moore, and you've been listening to Cartwheels on the Sky. Stay tuned for some more wonderful programming right here on KGUA. I've got a little bit of time, so I'm going to take us out with a poem that was written by a Fort Bragg high schooler and was recorded at one of the past high school poetry slams. Enjoy, and thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful night, and take good care of yourself. Hi, um, Trieste Justatel, Fort Bragg High School. You are not the only one who gets writer's block. Um, And um, just a fact, the fact that I wrote this poem about not being able to write a poem, I think shows that. Okay, this poem is called Uninspired. Clock clicks along at precisely 120 over 80, systolic, diastolic. Unvariant. Glance confirms clock lacks tachycardia. 12 o'clock, and I am uninspired. <sighs> Frustration escalates. Pressure builds. Aggravation by clock's constants. <laughs> there, there. A pretty phrase. Repetitive nuance. Eureka! Euphoria! You uh, phony! Euphony, euphony. Pretty, perhaps. <sighs> An ersatz lapse. <sighs> no true emotion. Two o'clock, and I am uninspired. Sick and healed. I am sick and healed of ancient lie beliefs. The way peace fills my notebooks It is possible to forget. Leave behind scourges of humanity. Shanti, shanti ants speeding along the concrete buffet. Rush, rush to Buddha's last time card breath. (sighs) Wholly marginalized, I seek to remove the dumb from the free. Make freedom intelligent. 
the choices. Flakes or puffs, cable or satellite, paper or plastic, AT&T or AT&T. I say, be a voice. Stir the remains into an ocean of soup. Swim in the stomach. Digest the years. Peace, shalom, amen, shanti ho. No time for loving the enemy with a rocket. Embody the day. Regard the night. Roam vision upon the just. Rain resonance on the righteous. We replace the lost vibration.